Welcome to Autism in the Adult podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Teresa Regan, an adult neuropsychologist. I specialize in brain behavior relationships for those 14 and older. I'm the parent of an amazing teen on the autism spectrum and a certified autism specialist. I am deeply grateful to bring validation, hope, and purpose to individuals and their families living on the autism spectrum. With this mission at its core, I founded and currently direct the OSF Healthcare Adult Diagnostic Autism Center in Central Illinois. My books include Understanding Autism in Adults and Aging Adults and Understanding Autistic Behaviors. For more information and to join my online community for free, visit www.adultandgeriatricautism.com. Please join me in helping individuals, couples, and families thrive while living life on the autism spectrum. Hello, everyone. This is Dr. Teresa Regan back for another episode of Autism in the Adult. And we are going to talk today about tips for gaining momentum for everyday activities And this podcast episode is a follow-up to the previous one we did. On our last episode, we talked about exhaustion and autism, and we introduced the concept of the ability of the nervous system to stay in a just right state, as opposed to being stuck in a state that is sluggish, slow, that has crashed from exhaustion and can't get going again versus this uh, very high state of activation where perhaps we're doing too much and we're hyper-focused or anxious or overwhelmed. Um, So this ability to swing to this just right state, this middle state, and to stay in the just right state for long periods of time. We introduced that in autism, it is more difficult for the nervous system to stay in a centered, balanced state with regard to activation. So this could have to do with physical activation, like I'm sluggish, I'm cloudy in my thinking, versus I feel manic and I can't calm down and I can't fall asleep. It has to do with attention, that our attention is sluggish and has difficulty focusing Versus the other end of that continuum being, I'm hyper-focused, I'm so alert to details that I can't really break away and see the big picture. The center state is that ability to pay attention to what's most important and to let something go that is no longer important or not most important. And it also has to do with emotions. So When we're in a sluggish state with our emotions, we could feel bored or apathetic. We could feel empty. Alternately, when our emotions swing to the very opposite end of the continuum, perhaps we are agitated, afraid. Perhaps we're unable to feel calm and centered rather than angry and worked up. Last episode, we talked about the fact that sometimes this difficulty finding and staying in the just right state means that individuals on the spectrum swing back and forth from being in a state of too little momentum, can't get going, to a state of too activated, and then crashing back 
to that very low activated state. There's so much to follow up on from this previous episode. So I'm going to point out that there's really two broad topics to follow up. One is how to gather momentum from that too low state. And that's going to be our focus for today's podcast. Future podcasts will cover issues related to how do we prevent those crashes in the first place? How can we prevent the number of times that people bounce back and forth from too little activation to too high activation? And how can we have kind of less time and energy spent outside of that just right state? Today's focus will be on some tips about how to gather momentum again if the person is in this stuck, sluggish, lazy, uh, depressed kind of state where it requires so much effort to do small things, how can there be a breakthrough to gain more momentum? So there are really two ways to rely on something to give us momentum. We can rely on our internal state to give us momentum. So that could mean that we're so interested in something and that interest gives us momentum to move forward. It could be that we realize that something is so important. Oh my goodness, I have to pay this mortgage. That is very important. Or I have to get medical care. And so the urgency of something may be based on that internal sense of importance. However, a lot of times when people are stuck in that slower state, the internal drive is very low and it's very difficult to get um, an activated state from interest alone or from urgency alone. There may be activation for a favorite activity, but beyond that, the scope of their internal activation may be very limited. So I really feel somewhat interested in watching YouTube videos, but I really, otherwise I can't get off the couch, can't uh, really have momentum toward other activities. Because that internal state is often not reliable when there's a lack of momentum to get us going, oftentimes we need some external assistance. So the input, the push that initial um, push of activation to get us going to be more in the just right state and then hoping we get some momentum from that, uh, that often has to come from some external activity or source. And that is a real problematic thing because, as we talked about last time, sometimes we end up having people in our lives who are trying to be that activation um, push for the individual. Uh, unfortunately, it's very tiring for the other person, and they often don't realize why they need to be the activating state. You know, why can't you get up and do this? Why do I have to push you? And it ends up uh, being kind of exhausting for the family member, and it can be kind of a difficult state for the individual as well, where Really what's happening is I'm being nagged and nagged and nagged, and yet I still can't get off the couch. Uh, We don't want either person to be in a stuck place, the family member to be 
kind of stuck in pushing and we don't want the individual whose nervous system is sluggish to be stuck uh, being unable to respond to that or get out of that loop of um, being corrected all the time. As we said last time, in order to get moving from this stuck state, there's really no way to get around the need for an initial push. It really does take quite a bit of energy to push something in a still or stopped state into an activated state. And that's one of the reasons that in future episodes, we're going to talk about how to reduce the amount of time that we actually get stuck in a still state, because we'd like to keep some level of momentum so that we don't have to restart from the beginning, as it were, uh, from a stopped to a moving state. But sometimes we do get exhausted or the person just shuts down and they just can't stay activated. So what are some tips to make this process a little more effective, a little less energy draining? We're going to talk about three. One of the strategies that I find helpful is something I call the five minute rule. And essentially what's very difficult for the nervous system within autism is transitions. So shifting gears from one state to another, one task to another, that can be very difficult. And so sometimes you could see that in a school-aged person who really struggles to switch classrooms or struggles to um, go from the second grade to the third grade. We can also see that in daily tasks where Perhaps the individual on the spectrum really gets stuck on wanting to finish one task before moving to another task, even though the next one is actually more important or more urgent. So the ability to switch gears. In this example, we're asking someone to switch gears from a still state to a moving state as far as behavior. And the five-minute rule can help with the switching gears problem. So sometimes it's not that the person actually can't do the task at hand. It's the fact that the person can't switch gears to even get to the task. So let me give you an example. Let's say that someone on the spectrum had been previously active, but maybe had overdone it or had become ill or Something happened where the pace got to be too much, uh, the level of activation caught up with them, and now they are in a very still state. They're not leaving the house, they're not trying new things, um, they're not participating in daily activities, they just really feel shut down and crashed. And that initial period of exhaustion is probably over, but the remnant, the stuck, still uh, kind of very low momentum state is still there. So let's say that in this case, a friend is trying to be that external input that tries to help them even just leave the house to get some momentum back. And so they pick one of their very favorite activities. Let's say there's a Civil War reenactment in um, a park in town. And they ask the person, hey, would you like to go to the Civil War reenactment 
And they picked it because it's one of their favorite activities anyway. It might give a little bit of internal interest, which could help with that momentum. But the person's response is no. You know, that feels overwhelming. I don't even want to leave the house. I cannot picture myself going somewhere. So the five-minute rule is about agreeing to decide after the transition and the switching gears is already accomplished. In this case, um, the period of transition is going to be the drive. So being in the car, driving to this event. So let's say the drive is five minutes. Let's say it's 10 minutes. It doesn't really matter. The technique in this case would be that the friend could say, all right, that's a completely valid choice. I totally get that. But how about if you just get in the car, we drive there, and then once we're there, you decide whether you want to go home. And if you want to go home, then I'll drive you home. Now, the person has to keep that promise um, because we really want to be working with the person and provide the safe environment. Um, but the hump, the transition, the switching gears of even just getting up and into a car, that can be the hardest part. And once the person's there, sometimes um, the momentum of that internal interest is really helpful. And then they say, okay, now I want to stay. Um, so you get over that switching gears hump. Uh, another example would be, let's say someone feels a lot better if they ride their bike. They feel more activated. They get the sun uh, kind of warmth that feels so good. And they love nature. But again, they just can't get up from the couch. So the five-minute rule in this situation uh, would actually be time-based. It would be, okay, you can decide not to ride your bike, but you have to ride for five minutes before you decide. So the five minutes is a little arbitrary. It just captures whatever the transition is. So it could be time of five minutes, or it could be a transition like uh, riding in the car. Or perhaps the transition is I don't have to go back to school for a whole day, but I do need to drive to the campus and walk around the building. So maybe we're just trying to help uh, piece apart either by time or by quantity what the transition piece might be and help someone get over that hump. So there could be strategies where we bargain with someone, hey, you don't have to do this big thing, but why don't, why don't you decide after we do this very small thing and I'll be with you, we'll get things going. So sometimes that can be like a jump start. Like, okay, now that I'm here, I can do it. Or now that I'm on my bike, it actually feels good. But you know that feeling, getting off the couch, getting the bike out, that can be really difficult. Another thing to keep in mind when you want to gain momentum is that sometimes it is easier to spark some agreement of the internal from that person if you are going to focus on a pleasurable and filling activity. So you are going to know, or the person on the spectrum is going to know, what tends to be welcome input and what tends to be draining. So we're not going to focus on saying, 
hey, you've been um, isolated for a month and on the couch. How about if I drive you over to the family reunion? Well, you know, that person may know darn well that being around family, being approached to talk and visit, being hugged, being, um, you know, at someone else's schedule as far as when this is supposed to start and stop, that those things on a good day would be very draining. So we don't want to pick those things to start. We'd like to pick things that are filling that will end up helping the person feel still pretty filled and grounded at the end uh, rather than drained. We want it to be a positive experience. We want them to feel success. We don't want them to feel overwhelmed and worse off than before. So go ahead and pick something that you think will be activating and filling for them. And the third one is really important. This has to do with sensory input. I'm going to include a link in the show notes to some videos I have about using sensory inputs to help with regulation, with activation, and with a sense of grounding in that just right spot. So we can't cover all of that today. And this information is just um, an introduction to the use of sensory inputs for regulation. None of this information is meant to be individual physical or medical advice, but an introduction to this topic of harnessing sensory inputs to shift states, to get to the just right state. Now, there are two main sensory systems that provide us with input, provide our brain with information to help our brain get to that just right state. Now, we can use lots of different sensory inputs, but the two that often give people the most bang for their buck are proprioceptive inputs, which is pressure into the joints or the muscles. You've probably heard about weighted blankets that gives you some pressure in the muscles. And maybe you've heard of little kids who need help with regulation and their occupational therapists may suggest that they do heavy work. That heavy work gives them pressure in the joints. So anytime someone gets pressure in the muscles or joints, there can be a sense of grounding and helping the person get to the just right state. Because this episode focuses on gaining momentum, so going from a low activation state to a higher state, I'm going to spend a bit more time talking about the second sensory system, which is vestibular. Our brain gets vestibular input when we move through space, when the fluid in our ears sloshes around because we're moving. So, for example, if we ride a bike, if we hang upside down, if we spin, all of those things make that fluid in the air slosh around and it gives our brain information about the movement. Oh, we're now spinning. We're moving through space. And that is how our brain understands uh, our sense of movement and what we're doing. You can think about movement as occurring linearly in a line, like swinging back and forth, jumping on a trampoline, diving from a diving board, 
rotary vestibular input is turning in a circle. So spinning and twirling and dancing where you're getting that round and round movement. And then inversions is anything that causes your head to be below your heart. So a simple forward bend, a down dog in yoga, hanging upside down, that gives your brain a sense of movement and it's through this inversion type of input. You can think of vestibular input as being very calm and gentle. So for example, when we hold a baby and we rock them, right? We're just moving side to side or forward and backward. It's this very gentle, predictable, comforting type of input. And that is calming. That's what rocking chairs are for, right? Um, on the other hand, if someone loves roller coasters and they go down these coasters, they get this whoosh of activation. That movement just sends their activation very high. Now, everyone kind of has a different baseline for movement. Some people are very movement averse, that they want their feet on the ground, even walking through the environment, like going for a walk in the neighborhood, that's enough movement input for them. Other people really seek movement. They seek movement to get to this just right state. And movement can be a bit more activating than some of the pressure inputs for some people. Again, this is somewhat individually based, but for people who need activation to get their momentum back, to get to the just right state from this very low state of their engine running so slow, um, sometimes vestibular input can be that assistance to get that push, that jump start. I also like to see what does this person gravitate toward anyway? And it's very interesting because many people I work with that are in this stuck state actually previously had loved vestibular input. They were snowmobiling and motorcycle riding and uh, in diving championships. Um, and so then you can say to yourself, oh, this person's nervous system was getting a lot of activating input prior to their slump or prior to their graduation. And now the person's not getting any input. So you can see how circular this can be if someone is exhausted and stops the sensory activities like movement or pressure that really had been grounding them in the first place, you can get even more stuck. So instead of just relaxing and recouping, now you've got someone who has very little activating and grounding input. Consider someone who previously did yoga, they also did weight training, getting lots of proprioceptive input. Perhaps they did diving and swimming and bike riding. That gives you lots of proprioceptive and vestibular input. So they got grounded and activated. When they hit that point of exhaustion, they gave up all of those movement activities as well. So one of the ways, this third way we're covering, to get over that hump of needing that jump start and getting back into having some momentum, but still being in the just right state, 
can be using sensory inputs to help your nervous system shift from a hard stop to having just the right amount of momentum. For more information, be sure to check out the links that I have in the show notes that take you to my website that cover similar uh, sensory processing items. I'll also put some links to books on sensory processing and other opportunities for education. Thanks for joining me this time. Next time, we will focus on how to prevent crashes in the first place so that the person on the spectrum doesn't have to go back and forth from high activation to a complete stop too often that we really want to help them be in the just right state most of the time. Thanks for joining me. See you next time.